You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of Second Breaks, and more specifically to another episode in the unretirement series that we are doing this spring. Today's episode from The Vault is an episode where I interviewed Michael Zuparski, and I wanted to bring back this particular episode because Michael and I talked about building a successful consulting practice. You know, turning our hard-earned expertise from all our years employed in our corporate careers, using that expertise and turning it into a consulting practice is a very real and very practical option for a post-retirement career. And Michael is a great resource for how to build a successful consulting practice. Michael is the CEO and co-founder of Consulting Success. He's kind of like a consultant for consultants. He helps business people run their businesses more efficiently and effectively. But more importantly, he specializes in helping people transition into a successful consultancy by leveraging and marketing their expertise in an enormously crowded field. Michael is the author of five books, including The Consulting Success System and The Masters of Consulting Interviews. And Michael also hosts the podcast, The Consulting Success Podcast. So clearly, he is the person to talk to about building a consulting practice. Right out of the gate, I asked Michael to define what being a consultant means and whether anyone can be a consultant. He also shared the six principles that he and his business partner use to run a successful consultancy practice today. Okie dokie. Let me step out of the way. Here you go. Enjoy. At the kind of most basic level, a consultant is someone who uh, helps to solve problems. They provide value. Um, They help someone to reach their goals. They're providing advice, right? So the big difference between, for example, a consultant and uh, a contractor or an implementer, right? Pure consulting is not implementation so much. You're not getting your hands in there twisting all the, you know, the um, the screws and, and doing all that, although you might, right? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the interesting thing about consulting is that it takes many forms. Like we have many clients who consult, but they also coach. And so you might think, well, are they consultants? Are they coaches? The consultant role is in many cases more strategic. It's advisory. You're providing your expertise. You're applying your expertise to serve your client to help them to solve a problem or to reach a goal or you know a desired state that they have to go from where they are at A to their destination at B. Now your second question is can anyone be a consultant? Uh, I mean the simple answer to that is like yes sure anybody can be a consultant but that doesn't mean that everybody will be a good consultant right? Um, I'm a big believer that in order to be a consultant you need to have true expertise and what I'm referring to there is that you're ultimately able to deliver real value to someone, right? So for example, there's some people who would say, yeah, I've graduated from college and I'm now going to go start my consulting business. And that's fantastic because in some ways that was my story as well. But 
unless you're able to really identify a, an area of specialization, a real area where you can apply like deep expertise, then you're probably going to struggle because what most buyers of consulting services want is they want experts. Like most companies, if you look at them, they're filled with generalists. They're filled with people who are, you know, good at like a lot of different stuff, but they're not great. And the reason why a company goes to a consultant or, or you know, pays for someone outside of their organization is because they have a need for expertise that they can't tap from the generalists within their organization. One thing that I, I wanted to put a pin on, you said that, you know, of course, anybody can be can be a consultant. But what's uh, one of the key factors in being a good consultant or a successful consultant is you actually have deep expertise in an area yes. so that you can deliver value to your clients. And so I was wondering along those lines, other than expertise uh, in, a, in a specific area, are there other sort of I guess, characteristics that you might say that someone would be ideally suited for a consulting role or as a consultant? For sure. The the number one most important, this is actually um, a way to tell how, I wouldn't say necessarily successful, but at least seasoned someone is. And um, that is the the depth and the uh, the clarity and the meaning and kind of the, the power of the questions that they ask, right? So, an early stage, a novice consultant will go in and they'll try and give all their input. They'll try and you know share their presentations and show their methodology. And they're going to want to talk and say, yeah, here's how I can help you. And they'll ask questions, but their questions are are very surface level. Like, okay, this sounds interesting. Tell me about uh, what you know what success looks like, or like what do you want to achieve here? Okay, great. Uh, and what's your timeline? Okay, great. And what's your budget? Okay, great. Like, let me put together a proposal and I'll send it off to you. Yes. That's surface level, right? What they're missing is is the depth and the value that you want to identify. And that comes from asking a lot of meaningful questions. That comes from, as I often kind of describe it, like peeling back the layers of the onion, right? Where you're going deeper and deeper and deeper to ultimately you reach like the core. And the core is what drives the buyer. The core is the reason for why they're doing this now and not waiting six months. And it's what impact it's going to have on their organization, on the morale of their employees and on their stock price and market share and everything else. Like you're looking at all these things that really is the, the reason for them to do this now. Uh, and then with that knowledge, you're able to communicate that back to them where the focus is on value. It's no longer on price. It's no longer on hours or, you know, inputs or deliverables. It's about the transformation that they want to to achieve. And when you're able to convey that, then not only do you differentiate yourself from all the other consultants that the buyer has been speaking to, you know, you've raised your level of authority. You've uh, created a lot more conversation around value. And then when you present your proposal, you're, you know, you're going to be not only winning at, higher fee levels because you're talking value, not cost anymore. But buyers are also more excited to move forward quickly because it's an investment. Like they see the benefit and value and the outcome and the result, not just, oh yeah, we're going to get some recommendations from a consultant. It's sometimes the the trap, I'll call it the trap of an expert in a particular area is that they're dying to talk about their expertise right? 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I've often felt, and I know for myself that as a consultant, I'm, I feel like a teacher, right? I like to teach. I like to help people that actually, even if I meet somebody on the street and you know, they're asking where, like, do you know where this place is? Or, uh, they need some help and I, and I'm able to help them. I feel good about that. Even mm. if like, maybe I'll never see them again in my life. Most likely I won't, but it just feels good to help people. And I think most consultants like that feeling. Most consultants want to apply their expertise 
But what you learn or should learn as quickly as possible is you need to also hold back because it's not about what you want. It doesn't matter if I feel good that I'm helping someone or not. I'm having the conversation because I need to care about what the person on the other side of the table or the screen uh, cares about. And so my question should be geared towards them to understanding them. And then once I really understand what it is that they're looking for and what value they care about, then I can actually help them by uh, positioning an offering or extending you know, an invitation to look at what that next step would be that ultimately serves them and allows me to demonstrate and showcase my expertise. So for the consultant, it's, you know, think less about um, transaction and think more about relationship. Mm. If you're focused on transaction, you're trying to like push the deal through right away. You need to make it happen. You need to prove yourself now because there's no other best time. Like it's at this exact moment. I only have one chance. And so I have to make the most of it. But the reality is it's not like that. You have more than one opportunity. You have plenty of time, but you need to engage someone. You need to have a compelling message. You need to give them a reason to actually want to speak with you uh, more than once. And so you don't do that by talking about yourself because they don't care about you. They care about themselves. They care about you know what, whatever they're dealing with. And so if you show them that you have empathy and you show them that you understand their situation, that you're interested in, that you can bring some expertise to the table, uh, even through some of your questions by may- maybe referencing their industry or some things that you've uh, you've noticed right or observed uh, now that does get their attention they want to continue talking with you that is so true because the quality of the questions also even if you're not necessarily providing the answer or quote-unquote teaching but the quality of the questions you're asking also can point to your level of not your level of understanding of the issue or the challenge in the industry or the particular Definitely. thing that they're they're facing right exactly totally now, I was poking around your um, your website uh, a couple of days ago in preparation for this um, for this conversation that we're having, and I know that you that, have. That's why I got a pain in my side. Uh, you were poking so <laughs> yes, hard. Yes, exactly. It's... I was yeah. poking, poking, <laughs> and um, I know that there was something there was something that I saw there that I I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about. And I think you were talking about principles for running or principles of running a successful. Uh, virtual consultancy and yes. do you mind would you mind so much sharing with us you know what those principles are sure yeah i mean actually just last week i was um sharing this exact i gave you gave a little presentation around like the six principles that we we've used to run uh, a seven-figure consulting business while still traveling the world with my family and just the quick backdrop because this was an, an hour-long presentation i know we don't have that much time uh today so i'll, I'll kind of do a real brief but uh, yeah, last year I spent about five months um, outside of the country traveling with my family while still running and growing the business. Um, and so the reason why this came about is I was having a conversation with one of our clients uh, about that and about kind of how we do it. And they're like, well, that's so interesting. And I thought, well, yeah, they're interested. Maybe others are also interested in this. And mm. it's been uh, interesting for me to see the level of um I guess, again, coming back to interest that people have in this topic, which is like, how do you create more freedom? How do you run and grow a business uh, that is meaningful? And so it's not just about generating more and more revenue. Most of our clients aren't looking to build a billion dollar organization. They don't want to take over the world. They want to spend more time with their families. They want to uh, travel the world. They want to, you know, make an impact on on clients while still having an, uh, and earning a great income, right? So here's the, the six principles. I'll just go over them quickly. And then if you want to dive into any one of them more, just, just let me know and cool happy beans. to do that. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So number one is a simple business model. And what I mean here is oftentimes people overcomplicate their business models. They try and have five, 10 different offerings. 
that they think that having more is how to grow your business. But in fact, it's subtraction, not addition that is more powerful in, in growing companies. Number two is team and support. So one of the reasons why I'm able to do what I'm able to do is because I don't try and do everything myself. I've tried that when I first started my consult, first consulting business 19 years ago. Um, and I learned from that experience. You that must in order have been to, 10 when you started that first consulting business. No, I just, I just use really good moisturizers. That's what it comes down to. Uh, no, but I, I did start my, yeah, I started my first consulting business um, when I entered university. So when I just left high school. So I, I had a, I had an early start. Um, and yeah, it's, it was a, it was an amazing experience to be consulting for and working with companies like Panasonic and Dow Jones, Japan and financial times, Japan and um, Sumitomo and a whole bunch of others when I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. uh, cool times. But uh, number two is, is team, right? So building a team. So we have a team. And when I say team, a lot of people think like, Oh, I don't have the money to do that. It's, you know, they don't have the resources and you don't need to have a lot of that stuff to build a team. I'm not talking about having full-time employees. I'm talking about figuring out what can you delegate in your business so that you're not trying to do every little thing yourself. Um, and there's many ways to do that, but I'll just leave it at that for now. And we can go into it more if you want. Uh, number three is process. Mm-hmm. So process and systems, making sure that you have good systems in place. We have systems in our business for like onboarding clients, for how we handle calls, for how we set up um, enrollment conversations, everything that we do, pretty much anything that happens in the business more than once should have a system or a process attached to it. And the more that you do that, the more that you can then start to delegate and offload those types of things to other team members. And that's a way to create scale, right? So when I'm like running down the beach with my daughter in, uh, in Northern Spain on the Costa Brava, like, I don't have to worry about is, you know, this person getting that thing mm. uh, or because we have a system in place for it. Right. Um, and of course, no systems are not bulletproof. They have you learn from them. But that's the nice thing is you're always able to improve them once you at least have one in place. Um, then next, I would say uh, prioritize. So this is really, really important because I think so many people start off their day just doing a lot of stuff. Like the worst thing is checking email. You get lost in it for an hour. It's like you think, yeah, I have to do this right now because I have clients. And if I don't respond to them, they're going to they're going to die. And if they die, they're going to sue me and all these different things are going to happen. I have to respond to my clients right now or else nothing, this whole world will happen. So like, you know, let's just be real. You don't have to respond to your email right away. That's the worst time to do it when you first start the day because you get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm talking beyond email. I mean, everything that you do, prioritize it. Like a great question to ask is what one step or one one action or one activity can you do today that will move your business forward more than every, than anything else? Because there's a very big difference between valuable work and busy work. And too often people spend time doing busy work because busy work is easy work. It busy is work true. is right, like playing with your website, writing, updating your business plan, changing your logo, formatting your presentation. That's that's busy work. You don't need to be doing that. You shouldn't be doing it. It's not valuable. Valuable is like following with with ideal clients, right? Sending a proposal, doing client work. Those those are valuable things, right? Prospecting, all that kind of stuff. So that's number four in terms of prioritize. Number five is what I would call consistency over tactics. Hmm. And uh, with this, what I'm referring to is most people these days, and I think probably all of us have fallen victim to it at some point, we are focused on like the shiny object, like the latest thing that's out there. And we believe that it's the way to our success is by uh, implementing a tactic that is working for someone else. So maybe it's about like, webinars or it's about uh, starting a podcast or it's about you know, doing something on social media or it's about sending this email sequence or it's this LinkedIn automation thing or like whatever it is. But those are tactics. Those things by themselves don't grow your business. They're tools. 
So what's actually most important is being consistent with your outreach, being consistent with your follow, making sure that those things are scheduled. So identify what needs to happen, the, the most viable kind of impactful areas of your business. Do those consistently mm. and don't jump around from tactic to tactic. Um, we've been, I think, pretty good at doing that. We have people all the time, to, you know, sending different ideas to us, wanting to collaborate, you know, things of that nature. Some of them that look like we can make a lot of money from them, but we're not focused on the transaction. We're not thinking short-term money. We're thinking long-term relationships and value creation. And so by having that mindset, it allows us to say no to a lot of the wrong things that are short-term and stay focused on the things that we feel ultimately, and maybe we're wrong, but it seems to play out for us like are more on the long-term value side. Um, And then number six, finally, is really what I would just kind of say is like decisions. And decisions are about becoming very clear uh, for what you want. Like, what do you really want? Because these days, many consultants or people, coaches, whatever, you know, whatever you are, are told, especially online, that there's one way to do something. Like, as an example, group coaching is the best model out there, or right? Oh, no, uh, one-on-one is the only way to make an impact, or it's courses or no, you can't build a meaningful company unless you have 50 people. Like there's all these different ideas that people have. And the reality is that every single one of them is right. And every single one of them is wrong, Mm -hmm. but that's not what's important. What's important is figuring out what is important to you, right? So get clear on the model that supports the lifestyle that you want. Uh, And then you can build a business that actually gets you to that place. So that's what I'm referring to when I'm talking about decisions. It's like really getting clear on what you want. And then that will allow you to be much more intentional with how you play out your day to day. And so in in my case, you know, like spending time with my family is a priority. That's a decision. I decided a long time ago that uh, not that long ago, but, you know, a few years back that I didn't want to just build a business and just chase money. I got to a point where when I was younger, I, that's what I was focused on. It was, you know, making money. I had some certain goals and targets. And then when I reached those, I kind of set it to the next level. And then I got to a point where, yeah, it's like money is nice, but it's not about the money anymore. It's about making sure that you can enjoy it because there's plenty of people who have lots of money and then, you know, they're miserable or they die. And like, what's it all good for? So having a good balance between what's important to you, making the right decisions, um, you know, making the right amount of money that you can then uh, support the lifestyle and freedom that you want. That for me is, is what's most important. I think uh, the, the way that I make decisions right now, just to kind of give some context to it is about memories. Hmm. Uh, so if, if I believe that something is going to create a, a memory, then I'm happy to spend money on it. Like that's, that's worthwhile to me, but I'm not interested in most cases in materialistic things or other things of that nature. If, if there's no money, if there's no, sorry, uh, meaning behind it, if there's no real memory that can come from it. So that's how I approach it. It's not how necessarily how, you know, you or anyone else should approach it, but those are at least the six principles that we use in our business consistently that have allowed us to, you know, grow that level and continue growing while, while achieving a lifestyle that we, we enjoy quite a bit. We're going to get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. 
Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. There are a couple of points that I wanted to dig deeper, but the one is one of the, the I think it's the very first uh, principle that you talked about. It is so tempting to want to be all things, not all things to your clients, but to provide as much variety to your clients to be that you know, end-to-end sort of service provider sure. or consultant to whatever it is, right? And to your to your point, sometimes we make it more complicated by coming up with all kinds of different packages or all kinds of different service offerings, when in fact, it's, it's just more confusing, perhaps, for our clients. Well, it's more confusing and it's less profitable, right? I mean, if you look at any business around the world, you will typically find that by analyzing where their sales come from, that um, most of their sales, right, or most of their profit will come from a certain number of of products or or clients. I mean, mm-hmm. Perry Marshall talks about this really uh, well in um, in his in his book 8020 Sales and Marketing. Richard Koch talks about this a lot in all of his books around 8020. But and it's not always 8020. It might be 70-30, might be 90-10, right? But the idea is that um, in most cases, when you try and do a lot more, when you try to create growth through addition you end up um, eroding your margin. You end up becoming less profitable. You create a lot more work, a lot more overwhelm. And I think that's a mistake that people make is you go into it with the idea of thinking, well, I'm doing more. And so that should create more. But in fact, it's things aren't equal, right? So the the opportunity for people is to become very clear on like, what is most profitable for me? What is most enjoyable? What is a whole bunch of other criteria and factors? And then just do more of that, not mm. more of a whole bunch of other stuff. Not create other things, but focus on that thing, right? Yeah, right. unless unless what you enjoy doing is creating. Like I, I interviewed um, someone for uh, a consultant on our podcast, the Consulting Success Podcast, who's a really well-renowned uh, leadership consultant, and I like he, he told me what he does in his line of business, and it's like everything. I, I just I was blown away. I was like, man, how do you how do, do, this? do that? And he's like, well, yeah, our clients want it, so we just figure out a way to do it. But he's at a place where like he enjoys doing that. That's what gives him happiness is to create like these new little ideas and concepts. And if that's what you like, cool. But to me, that just sounds like a big headache and overwhelm. And it's like, why, why really do that? If you can achieve the lifestyle that you want, the income that you want, you can have great prospects for for growth. And like just more is not the way to go. And, and, And if you also study the most successful companies when they first got started and the way they really gained traction, they didn't do it by having tons of different offerings or products or services. They focused with like some very specific ones. Um, Richard Kosh's book called Simplify actually talks uh, is a good example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the uh, uh, famous, more famous Steve Jobs stories was when he came back to Apple. And one of the first things he did was he scrapped a lot of the a lot of the uh, offerings or products that yep. uh, came up and just focused on two or three, I think, at that point. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just curious, how did you get into this kind of work? Uh, so I just start, I started at a young age. So. Uh, when I went into university, my first year, my cousin Sam and I was still my business partner to this day. We decided we would start um, a company together, and it was a web design um, and development firm. Way back when websites were kind of just get, you know getting going at that time, and we 
we put that out there and he was doing like the design and the development. I did the client interactions. We had fun doing that. We said, let's start another company because we realized that we didn't want to do the tech stuff. We enjoyed more like the visual and the marketing and the branding side. And so we started uh, a consultancy called Kanke Culture. Kanke in Japanese means relationship. Mm. Uh, and uh, that was going really well. I actually ended up going over to Japan and opening up a branch office for our company over there. And that's where we worked with um, large Japanese organizations like Panasonic and Sumitomo and Omron and a whole bunch of others, uh, helping them to get their products and services uh, into English uh, speaking markets. Uh, and then when I came back to North America, I started uh, another consulting firm called Relogy Marketing, standing for Relationship Strategy. And that was all uh, very focused on lead generation for mm -hmm. professional services firms. Uh, and I worked with law firms and accountants and investment companies and other consultants. Uh, and through that whole time, and that, that business I was running without Sam, we, had, we did a, you know, two businesses or so together, then we each did our own thing. And then we, after that, we came back together. And so today's business, Consulting Success, we've had a few other companies that we've, um, we've kind of built up and sold even during that time. But Consulting Success today really came from uh, wanting to share, like coming back to the, what we talked earlier, like the whole teaching, we just said, hey, let's do something online because we had both spent time in Japan and overseas. We have kind of international backgrounds uh, in terms of growing up in different places and all that. And we wanted to do something that would allow us freedom to travel and just, you know, earn income and generate all that from online, but we didn't know how. And so what we started to do way back 10 years ago is we just, I, I started writing articles on, on consulting. I started sharing like what was working, what wasn't working, and a community started to build around that. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. We have 34, 35,000 people that read the newsletter each week. We have we've helped, um, yeah, hundreds of consultants to, to grow their businesses. So it all came from that. But when we first started, we didn't really have a plan around monetization. We, we did it as a side thing as we were both running our other companies and, and businesses um, just as a way to kind of see what would happen. And, and as there was more interest, then we put more into it. So are your clients primarily companies or individuals? Like who do you work with primarily? Yeah, so consulting success, our clients are really two segments. They're either independent consultants, so solo independent consultants, or they're small consulting firms. Mm. And we support two main groups, those that are already, they've been consulting for quite some time, they've done quite well, but they want to grow beyond where they currently are. In most cases, they've got to where they are because they had some good referrals and their network and all that kind of stuff, but they don't know how to actually market and uh, scale and package and all that kind of stuff they're, they're offering. So we help those people to get to that next level. But we also have a group of people who are experts kind of from the corporate world, mm -hmm. right? They've They've worked jobs, uh, in some cases, very, very senior in organizations. Sometimes they're consultants, right, who have worked in uh, consulting firms. But now they want to get into consulting, like running a consulting business themselves, and they want some support to do that. So we have um, experience uh, and kind of, you know, offerings and services and products for for both of those groups. So for the for for, for the second uh, the second group of people for the for those who yeah. are maybe coming off of a, a corporate career and wanting to take their expertise to a con and to build a consulting company, do you are you basically helping them set up their business or create a business create their business? Yeah. So we for those people we have um, a program. It's called Momentum that really takes them through like step by step 
starting, running, and and growing their business. So from it covers some, you know, even the most basic things like around coming up with the right name for your business and how to structure it correctly and like what do you actually need to run a consulting business. But for some people, they're able to go through that early part very, very quickly because they're already beyond that. But then it gets much deeper into like, how do you really identify your specialization? How do you develop messaging that's going to resonate with ideal clients? How do you apply that messaging to your website, to your materials? How do you then think about your pricing? How do you think about your offerings? Right. And how do you do that? Because many variations of those things. How do you find the right one for you? What actions should you be taking throughout all this? Right. What marketing is uh, tactics and strategies are the best for given your situation, how do you approach it? So our whole thing is not just to give people information because I think we all have plenty of information surrounding us. We really wanna help them to implement. And so Momentum is more of like an implementation program where we have plenty of trainings and videos and um, you know action lists and scripts and templates that people can access and then right away start to implement. Um, and that's really where progress comes from, right? Momentum, the reason we chose that name is because that's like what business is all about, right? It's about taking those first few steps, feeling like you're on the right track, you're building up momentum. And, and so progress also comes from that. So we want to help people to take action as quickly as possible. Gotcha. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about or tell us where we can find you, where we can find out a lot more about your company and also talk a little bit about you said podcast so i think you are a podcaster as well so could you talk could you mention what that is or you know the the name and all that kinds of good stuff sure yeah so uh, the consulting success podcast is what it's called uh, and it's where i interview other successful consultants again all around the world all different industries about how they got to where they are today so we really look at the steps that they took to grow their business uh, we get pretty detailed around like actions they took and how they uh, approached it and how what would they would do differently. Uh, and so we have some really great people on that and that show continues to grow. So yeah, you can just find that on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts. Um, it's just the Consulting Success Podcast. And then in terms of where people can learn more, uh, consultingsuccess.com is the best place. Uh, but we also do have a 51-page free guide mm-hmm. that uh, is called the Consulting Blueprint that goes kind of a lot deeper into some of the best practices for growing a consulting business. And so if people want to get that, they can get that for free by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash blueprint. Excellent. Well, I'm definitely going to put a link to that and the podcast and everything on the show notes for this episode. So thank you so much, Michael. Hey, Lou, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. hope you enjoyed this episode from the vault for all the links and highlights of this episode please head on over to secondbreaks.com as a reminder we are on a weekly schedule during the month of may while we continue to cover the topic of unretirement so be sure to check back next week for another special episode in our series until then keep on making your dent my friend cool beans